Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled The Tragedy of Darkness and joining me from California is author Ted Bagley. Thank you, sir, for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me, Jay. Pleasure to visit with you. I've been reading some of the excerpts from your book and uh, impressed with your observations. They're a little bit, uh, I don't know, unique maybe. Uh, they're, they're also insightful just in the way you've described them. You have, have one a paragraph that stood out to me. And in your introduction to your book, you say, Stepping into someone else's shoes dresses you as a fraud and is indicative of one's inability or lack of creativity to make their own footprints. I really thought that was, uh, was, was unique. And then you said, Whatever you do, make sure that the toes of your shoes are pointed in the right direction. This book has some uh, inspirational, motivational uh, thought behind it, but it also is a uh, fictional work. Is that correct? It is. It is definitely a fictional work, but a lot of the things that's included in this book are real. Um, and, and, and that was my intent, is to take uh, fiction and pull the realness out of it so we can so everyone can identify with what this character is going through. You talk about darkness and Chicago. Those are two key ingredients in your in your in your work. Uh, where did that uh, concept the the inspiration behind that come from? Well, the inspiration behind first of all the darkness is um, you know a lot of things happen Jay in in the darkness of night. Uh, uh, a lot of crime happens at night. Right. Uh, a lot of negative things happen at night. And, and, and I chose Chicago because I've spent a lot of time, though I've never lived in Chicago, I've spent a lot of time there. And uh, I've studied a little bit of the gang um, uh, happenings in Chicago, the drugs in Chicago. And Chicago just happens to be in the news a lot. So I thought that my readers could identify with what was going on in Chicago, and it was more in tune to the character that I uh, wanted to write about. And what is the name of your main character that you have uh, have profiled? His name is A.J., Augustus A- James, A.J. A-J. And A.J. really, really excited me when I first created the character because he was somewhat like me when I grew up uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, he, he had a lot of talent. Um, he grew up in a very, very supportive family, but he chose a lot of the wrong directions, and that's the darkness part of this book. Have you always had the desire to be an author? Has this been something that's been a lifelong pursuit, or is this something that has come later in life? It, it came later in life, Jay, and particularly uh, I, I kept diaries over the years, um, particularly uh, my, my Vietnam days, my college days, even early in my work days. I kept diaries. And as I would go back and look at the notes that I had taken, these notes started to tell a story. And, and I said, why not put this together? Because I'm sure there are people out there that had similar uh, experiences that I've had. So I sit down and start putting pen to paper, and, man, I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it, and that's why I've since written two more books. That's, a, that's an incredible accomplishment just in itself, even completing one book. When you began to start, uh, began to outline the book, did you have a specific target in mind as far as how the characters would, would uh, turn out, how they would develop, or did it just come inspirationally to you? It came inspirationally to me, Jay. And this whole thing came about because growing up 
in Birmingham, Alabama, doing Jim Crow days, uh, uh, the Jim Crow era. Uh, I saw so many young young black men like me who sort of fell by the wayside. They had good starts, but they just couldn't finish. And, and all of those things came to mind as I developed my career and my life over the years. And that's why I wanted to talk about this character, because this character um, is like a lot of those young men that I grew up with. You have uh, stated that, uh, just as you've just mentioned, a great start does not guarantee a successful finish. What was it that kept you on the straight, uh, on the correct path in your personal development? I'm going to tell you, my, my father and my mother, uh, they were my role models. Uh, mm. Even though neither one of them accomplished a lot from an educational standpoint, they always drove us. Uh, in, in the direction of education, and, they, and my, my dad would always say, "You'll never get anywhere without an, uh, an education, and education is something no one can ever take away from you." So he kept us on that straight and narrow. Even though he couldn't afford to do it back in his day, he kept us focused on the importance of education, and that—that's what has driven me. Um, I, I remember Jay, uh, what he said to me at the breakfast table one day after I was thinking about dropping out of school, going into the military. And he, he, he says, biggest mistake you ever made in your life, he says, but uh, you will make, you'll make the right decision later in life. I know you will. Wow. And, and, and he was right about that. He, he guided me. He gave me the foundation, but it was up to me to make the right decision. And, and luckily, with, with God's help and my family help, I did. Your, your character, AJ, does he have some of that same profiling in his life? He did. He had a great father. Uh, They they didn't have uh, a lot. I mean, they weren't rich people by any means. But uh, his mom and and father worked. They had had a good, decent living for the children. Had a good, supportive family. Uh, But A.J. was just one of the rebels who decided he wanted to do it his way. And and there are so many young men like that who, who have these great starts. But somewhere along the way, they get off the beaten path and don't know how to get back on. You have written 132 pages, not a long novel. It won't take long for someone to to uh, absorb the basic story. But is there an underlying message besides the, the basic things like um, you know work hard, to succeed, those types of, uh, of uh, values? What other values did you develop in this in this story? Well, one one of the strong values that I develop in this story is we tend to uh, emulate and and follow those that we surround ourselves with. So, uh, my message to young people with this book is: be careful with those that you associate with, because assim- uh, uh, association brings on assimilation. We we tend to. Uh, drive toward those things that influence us most. That's why I told you when you asked the question, uh, who influenced me, it was my parents. Hmm. Because I drove toward what my parents wanted. I didn't want society to determine the direction I was taking. Uh, A lot of other people allow their peers and their peer pressure to drive them in the direction that they're going. I didn't do that. Uh, I, I tended to trust in my values that my parents had given me, and and those values were solid. And they have proven to be right for me. In looking back at your early life, were there long-term, long-term friends during that period that maybe made some bad decisions that uh, possibly influenced your story? Oh, definitely so. Definitely so. In fact, it, it, it's ironic, Jay, that um, at least 
I would say 75% of my close friends back in Birmingham, um, Alabama, uh, who decided to stay there, didn't venture out into the world, uh, it didn't necessarily uh, complete their education, they're struggling right now. Uh, and and I, I, whenever I go back to Birmingham and meet with a lot of those folks, I, I could see the opportunities that they missed. And, and, and a lot of that drove me also in writing this novel because I put a lot of the characteristics of those individuals into this character. How long did it take to complete once you began? Well, that's an interesting uh, question, Jay. It, it, actually, it took me two years to write this first book. And the reason it took me that long is because when I first started to write the book, my parents was alive. Um, my sister was alive. My mom and dad was alive. And, you know, throughout the time that I was developing the book, um, they passed away. And, and I had to go back and make changes to it and update it based on the fact that I was speaking uh, as if they were still alive when I first started writing the book and then you know, as the book went along, I had to change things. So it took me a little bit longer. And I'm glad it did because as a result of that, I think it made for a better piece of work. Um, but, but yeah, I, it took me about two years to write the first novel. Have you been influenced by other writers, other authors in uh, your style, or is this something that you feel is uniquely your own? This is uniquely my own. I, I, I tried my best. Not that, that that that's why I wrote in the in the beginning of the book, Jay, stepping in someone else's shoes addresses you as a fraud and is indicative of uh, one's inability, lack of creativity. I, I wanted this to be Ted. I, I wanted it to be my style. I, I didn't want to follow anyone else's style, so I just let it flow. Whatever came out of my creativity, I just let it go. But I, I, I didn't emulate anybody though. That's fabulous. In, in the introduction to your book, you talk also about light switches and the darkness there and, and maybe a mom's advice. Share that story with uh, with the audience. Well, you know, if you think in terms of darkness, Jay, uh, you walk into a room, I don't care how familiar you are with that room, you're going you're gonna to bump into something, right? Yes. And, and the only way to not do that is to find your way to that light switch. And once you click that switch on, you know, the only thing that gets rid of darkness is light, mm. you know. And, and if you never get to that light switch, then you spend a lot of your time in darkness, bumping around, trying to find yourself. Sometimes people never find their way to the light switch, right? Others do, right. and those that do tend to do better than those that don't. Uh, so, so that's why I use that analysis of the light switch is because, you know, once you get there and once you click that thing on, Things come on in your life and uh, show you things that you have not seen before. Um, whereas if you never get to that switch, you, you, wind, you, you sometimes wind up bumping around in your career, in your life, never really finding yourself. You, and that's tragic it within is. itself. That's why I call it the tragedy of darkness. Because if you never really ever find yourself... Uh, you never realize the capability of you are, or the world never realized what you could have been. So it's a tragedy, and, and, and that's why I wrote it that way. And I don't know whether you uh, looked at the end of the book, but the end of the book is left open, Jay. It, even though the character looks like something tragically happened to him, you can't tell whether it did or not, because I wanted to leave it open in case I wanted to bring A.J. back. Fabulous, fabulous. Is there one incident in the book that if I was a, since you are in California, if I was a Hollywood producer and 
perused your book, is there a, an action scene or a, an incident that's going to stand out for me in, in my read? In my mind, you know, there's always a hook in a book, yeah, right. as they call it. Um, the, the hook to me was how A.J. gave up a prime opportunity. The guy had a, he had a good mind on him. He, he was pretty good academically, but he was an excellent basketball player. And he had a coach, Big House Gaines, that just loved him, loved supporting him, gave him time, chances that other coaches wouldn't have given him. And he took advantage of that. And, and I think had he taken uh, Gaines's direction and support, this guy could have gone places. But if there's one thing in this book that really, really stands out to me is how he gave up a primary opportunity to not only academically do well, but do well professionally in basketball. And he did not take advantage of that. He chose to, uh, when you got to that fork in the road, he always chose the wrong fork, whether it related to education, to the women that he dealt with, uh, dealing with drugs. He always went in that wrong direction. And, and it was tragic because he had so much potential. So this book and this story is about squandering your opportunities and how to maybe make the right decisions. I think you would call this also inspirational in the way you've des- described it. The title of the book, again, is The Tragedy of Darkness. My author, Ted Bagley, has joined me from California. Ted, my listeners need to get a copy of this and uh, maybe propel you to a Pulitzer Prize. How do we do so? <laughs> Well, there, there are several ways that they can get copies of this book. They could go to my website, and that website is tbjwork, not works, just work, tbjwork.com. And you can purchase the book there. You can purchase the books through uh, Exlibrius, www.exlibrius.com, or you can go on Amazon and get the book. So all, those three ways uh, you can purchase that book, and please purchase it. It's a great book, and it has great meaning. And it also is a book that would appeal to teenagers and young adults, correct? Yeah, that is definitely correct. In and fact, I encourage uh, teenagers and young adults to, to read this book, because these things in this book are real. They happen every day, and I think you can identify with them as you see them. Well, thank you for sharing your story. This is, uh, again, a great book, uh, one that is a, a brief read, 130 or 40 pages, nothing uh, real deep as far as uh, getting in the weeds much with it, but there is some action and some other uh, love stories, some side stories that uh, will bring m- motivation to the to the reader. So well, thank you for sharing your story. And the other two books also can be found on your website. If they'll just do a search under your name, Ted Bagley, B-A-G-L-E-Y, they'll find not only this book, but also other uh, adventures that you are pursuing. Thank you, sir, for joining me and sharing your story. Jay, thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, I really hope your audience take a look at this book. It's a, it's a real good book. Would recommend it. Highly, highly, highly uh, recommend the book. Thank you again for joining me today. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, 
ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Quasar Mirror, and the author who joins me from Florida is Stephen McCoy. Welcome, sir, to the program. Hi. This is uh, this looks like a, a science fiction novel. I'm guessing that's possibly the area. Tell me a little bit about Quasar Mirror. Well, Quasar Mirror, it's a science fiction adventure, action adventure. Uh, it actually takes place in the year 2151 um, with a crew of six that's going to be launching and to mine uh, gold and diamonds ah. on the moon of Jupiter. You have uh, obviously a creative, uh, a creative interest, and, and have you always been fascinated by things scientific? I guess there's a lot of science in this, in this book novel, in this novel. Yes, I try to go with a lot of science. And was there a lot of research in order to make this believable to the audience? Uh, how long did it take you to complete Quasar Mirror? Uh, Quasar Mirror, it was a working project, uh, approximately four to four and a half years. You have. I'm looking at the the way the the chapters are the the pages are listed. You have listed them by I guess day of the missions, uh, mission day twenty, and then mission day one forty three. Would this be something I would compare to maybe a Star Trek Enterprise or or any of those uh, video or or movie presentations? Uh, yes. And did that have an influence on the storyline? Uh, it was uh, somewhat, pretty much. It's uh, and uh, one of my best movies is Armageddon. Okay, so that's kind of where yeah. I got some of the information from. Osprey Crew. That is your main your main focus. Is is that the correct understanding of who they are and what they are? Yes. Uh, the crew consists of six. The captain, Captain Winters, his XO, his uh, Thomas, and his and the executive. I mean, the science officer is uh, Susan Winters, who's actually married to the captain. Mm-hmm. Then we also have uh, two other crew members, Mario and John. And one payload specialist, Denise. In crafting this, you have uh, certainly listed a number of characters. Are there characters 
that stand out from the rest that are your main focus, or is this a general uh, buddy movie, if you want to put it in a buddy movie uh, c- uh, characteristic or, or theme? Well, the main character will be kind of like Susan. She goes through a lot of conflicts with the captain, and especially uh, with the uh, duration of the uh, mission it takes uh, 17 months, so she has to put up with with the captain in more ways than one. Right. And and, and the, the storyline itself, is this, if you took it out of the future tense, if you took just the bare bones of the story, would that exist in our current generation, or is there really so much scientific and uh, conjecture and forward thinking in the novel that it really needs to be set in the future, or... How would you describe this? Uh, it would have to definitely would be in the future. And uh, I picked the year 2151. I uh, figure the advances of uh, rockets and hibernation. Then having a four crew on 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 one of the moons of Jupiter. You know, there's a base station that will help them supply resupply the ship on the return route. Gotcha. You you have told me that this is your first attempt at being an author. Have you always had the desire to be a, an expressor of creative things? Uh, yes, I always like to tell. I mean, like good stories, and I always like to tell good stories. Have everybody said I have a real creative mind. And this one took you a few years to complete. Did you work it uh, or put this story together uh, by developing the characters individually or developing the storyline first with a rough outline? How did you create the the contents of your first novel? I basically started out developing the characters and making a basic outline. It actually started, I actually started out as trying to write it as a screenplay. But then it just got, I had so many different ideals, and I had to make it into a novel. The title, what is the significance of that? What does it mean, Quasar Mirror? Quasar. Quasar Mirror. Quasar is a pulse of energy that can be generated from space, and the mirror is the opposite effect. So, in other words, the Quasar Mirror pushes the whole ship crew back into the present day. Hmm. Okay. I'm also noticing on day 20, you have one of the characters addressing Mario and saying, Swine and Broughton, roasted pork tenderized with beer and herbs slow-cooked, and then you talk about them reading off the rest of the recipe and the feast. Most of the ingredients, potato salad, horseradish, chicken dumplings, and dark forest cake, is uh, those are things I can relate to today. And that's uh, one thing that caught my attention about your novel. There's uh, ways that we can identify everything's not compressed or or dehydrated in your your, uh, descriptive of what they were participating in. Yes. I try to give it uh, human flavor. You know, I think the human being would still remain the same, but the science around them definitely would be changing or advancing. Absolutely, it would. You have, in completing this, you, you, you mentioned that you started off to write 
a play or a novel that would be adaptable to movie, maybe a movie script. What right. is the most exciting thing that the characters engage in in your novel that you think will will really captivate the reader? Well, what really is as soon as they get through their mission, this one that Quasar Mirror hits them, and it actually pushes them back in time, back to year uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem about it, throughout the journey, they're supposed to pick up the food and water pods so it can resupply them with food and the water. Since they got pushed back into time, now they have to become masters of survival. And is that a learning process all over again for these adventurers? Right. They had to learn to survive with, with the food and water they have on hand, and plus two, they had to go through, uh, take rotations on uh, hibernation. And of Three the, months at a time. And the characters that you have developed, which of those do you identify with the most or feel like it uh, perhaps is someone that you can identify with, and which will the reader think they will identify with the most? Hmm, that's a tough question. You've got... uh, I think the most person that would identify with would probably be Susan. And... The character I can identify myself is with the XO, Thomas. Thomas. As right. as an author and a creative person, do you journal by any chance? A lot of my authors will keep notes on things that are happening around them and maybe adapt them to a, a novel later on. Is that something you do, or is this something that just flows out as a creative process? I, I do it both ways. I mean, whatever happens, you know, if I see something happens in science, and then uh, I try to use it, develop it, try to make it more advanced so that way it be more futuristic. And as a child, uh, I know my authors are influenced by other people, by books and by experiences, some in the theater and so on. Is there any movie or book that you read or were introduced to as a child that perhaps has uh, given you inspiration for what you're doing now? Um, no, not really on that part. I'm more like a person that loves movies. And the movies, uh, I guess science fiction, has been one of those main right. inspirations for you. That's correct. Star Wars. Uh, yes. And uh, are there any goals that you haven't achieved yet as far as an author? I know this is your first book, so I, I don't know if a Pulitzer Prize is something that you uh, foresee in the near future. What are your immediate goals besides getting this out to the public? Uh, are you thinking that this might be adaptable to a movie, perhaps? Uh, yes. Uh, I already try to work on that part, too. And one other goal is try to become a better writer. It definitely comes with experience and with, with practice. Right. I'd like to have myself challenge. This is uh, your first novel. Is there another novel in your future? Are you working on a maybe a sequel to Quasar Mirror? No, I'm working on a different novel. I'm probably about uh, probably a little bit more than a quarter way finish. Uh, it's a detective novel. 
Well, congratulations on the completion of this, the very first in a in a novel and hopefully a series of novels that will inspire the reader. This one, titled Quasar Mirror, my author Stephen McCoy has joined me from Florida in the United States of America. Stephen, my listeners will want to get a copy of this and enjoy the read and the fast pace that you have created for them. How do they do so? Well, they can uh, go to Amazon. They can go to uh, Google, it's available online, Barnes & Noble, and uh, the Experts Bookstore, they can get it there. Excellent, and I think you are also planning to launch a website in the future so they can look for you under your name, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, McCoy, double C-M-C-C-O-Y, Stephen McCoy, and uh, find not only information about this novel, Quasar Mirror, but also anything you attempt to do in the future, and I wish you the best of luck and hope we can talk to you again when the next in the series of uh, efforts are released. Okay. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me today and sharing your story. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title of the book is A Professor and CEO, The True Story, Volume 1, and subtitled Growing Up Through Two Wars. Uh, my guest who joins me from Virginia Beach in the United States of America is author Richard T. Chang. Welcome, sir, to the program. Glad to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. The back of your book really outlines the overview of your life. This is called, or says, it's a true story of a man's full adventure and unusual encounters that are highly interesting to read. That was the, the, the main title on that, but it tells your story. Richard Chen Cheng was born in June 1934. Since the age of three... He had been suffering from the war between China and Japan and the Chinese Civil War between the Nationalists and the Communists. He moved frequently to escape the war and suffered immensely from losing his close relatives. At the age of 15, he escaped to mainland China, to, from, from mainland, mainland China to Taiwan, where he grew up and completed his undergraduate education. He was married in Taiwan, and when he decided to go to the States for his master's degree, he left his wife, a son, and another son. When he arrived at the school, he had been thirty only $30 to your name. 
struggled for 10 years in between studying and working, and when he finally finished his doctoral degree, he became an educator in the effort to develop computer science programs for various industries of higher education. He was promoted from assistant professor to associate professor to full professorship in six short years and to eminent professorship in another three years. That's an amazing accomplishment. In 1985, he decided to give up his position as an eminent professor and chairman of computer science at Old Dominion University to establish a small company. Through less than five years of struggle, he achieved the goal of making it a multi-million dollar company. In 1991, he received the largest contract the IRS awarded to a small company, which was for $240 million over six years. And you've been active as a uh, in the Organization of Chinese Americans, the Committee of 100, and the Chinese American Foundation for Americans. And you've also done a lot of philanthropic work, easy for me to say. Welcome to the program, sir. Honored to visit with you. It is my honor to be with you. Your story is remarkable. You have uh, penned this in a little over 300 pages, I believe it is. Why do you think that your story is uh, one that will grab the attention of the reader? Well, I think it uh, contains uh, the details of my true story, and which is, uh, to me, it's very exciting. And come to think of it, it's amazing to me that I have uh, go, going through so much in my lifetime. This is why I decided to write it when I was 62 years old started to write it. Start to write it. And how long did it take, Professor, to complete? Uh, about three years. Three years. You have uh, such a remarkable history, and many people that would have this history might be reluctant to share its details. You've talked about the warring situation of, of surviving two different war scenarios. How long a uh, time frame did that cover? It covers uh, my age of three to age of 15 years so so three to 15 you were in uh, i won't call them dire circumstances but definitely dif difficult your family moved around a lot you also mentioned that some of your family members uh, suffered during that wartime uh, what was the result of your family environment well it uh, was <coughs> started with seven moved from nanjing to chongqing and from Chongqing to Guizhou, it, in, in the meantime, my sisters, my grandmother, my grandfather, and brother died uh, of uh, lacking of medication wow. due to embargo by the Japanese. And so we lost uh, four close relatives. That must have been a very difficult time for you. And at, at 15, is that when you escaped the circumstances that you were uh, in, growing up in? Yes. Yes. At the uh, age of 15, I escaped uh, mainland China with my mom and father to Taiwan. To Taiwan. How was that escape possible? Was it one that was permitted, or did you leave the country under under cover and uh, secretly? Yes. Uh, my father <coughs> has to leave home and uh, stay in his uh, station and escape the communist 
uh, regime to Taiwan on the ship <clears throat> ship transporting ship. Okay. That uh, and did you also use a transport ship to to escape mainland China? Yes, and uh, three days later, my mom and I and my dog Lion had to uh, go out at night as if we were shopping, and uh, while we we're going through the city to the pier, that was uh, a scary experience. And we boarded a sampan, uh, a, a, a specially equipped ship, uh, boat for us. Only my mother and I and, and the dog, Lion, and uh, escaped the Fuzhou, from Fuzhou to Ma Wei. That's going through the Ming River, down to the ship waiting uh, to transport sh- uh, soldiers. We were on the soldier transporting ship to Taiwan. Really? Uh, the soldiers were, I'm assuming, the opposition then? Yes, those are nationalist, nationalist soldiers. Chiang Kai-shek's, Chiang, Chiang Kai-shek, uh, president, right. was ordering to, tra- to sh- ship to Taiwan. They shipped uh, close to, to a million soldiers to Taiwan and uh, ready to counterattack after the regroup. Where do you think the, the, the drive or the ambition to pursue education came from? Well, I, <clears throat> I learned that uh, education is very important. And uh, why in Taiwan... I was teaching in college, and uh, without a mass, uh, advanced degree, you you don't you don't get uh, promotions and uh, and so forth. So <clears throat> I decided to go to U.S. to obtain my master's degree. And what what time frame was that? Was that in the early fifties or or so? Uh, in the late 50s and early 60s. Early 60s. And you, your English, I'm sure, was uh, not developed at that time. How long did it take you? How difficult was it for you to adapt to the English-speaking world? I came to the U.S. without the preparation of uh, English. I only learned it from high school, high school level English. And uh, when I came here, I was only Chinese student in, on campus, so I was forced to speak to my fellow students and professors, and uh, I also repair TVs. Really? By driving truck to neighbors uh, in the city, so I pick up the language rather quickly. Well, you have 15 chapters or so in this uh, over 300 pages. You say it took about three years. One of the chapters that caught my attention was Purple Flowers and Crashing Plane. Uh, what is the content of that chapter? That chapter uh, uh, describes my age of 10 or so and uh, station in Chongqing, uh, an airport called Baisli. Then that was a period of time. 
the crashing plane, what does that entail? What is that? Is that an actual plane that you you viewed that, that crashed, or what did that impact your story? Alone in the field, when the plane was uh, tailing smoke and uh, crashed near near me, only two, three hundred yards away. Wow. You, in your story, did you write this to encourage other people? Was it a family project? What is the, the, the reason that you wanted to share all of the details of your life? Well, I just felt it's interesting to describe how lack of education of, uh, of a child and uh, later on catching up in studies not until I was in high school, I started to try real hard in, to study. And uh, later on, I became an educator. I realized the uh, importance of advanced degrees, so I came to the U.S. to pursue that. And uh, after I reached my goal of uh, my profession, I decided to go into business. And this this book describes my uh, entire life uh, in a manner that uh, I have determination and the drive to accomplish something, and uh, I did it. Would you also, because I, I certainly look at your story as one of inspiration and determination on a personal level, but do you feel like maybe your story will help someone else that's going through a struggle? Yes. Yes. I I think I think that uh, describes uh, my uh, lack of education in the, in the beginning is not so detrimental to my success. There's... I can chop, and uh, in the high school level, and uh, and going on for my college education. Does your family history, besides you, uh, mom and dad, were they also educated people, or were they regular folks? My father is educated. My mom, my mom is not. And the underlying motivation, I guess, from the story would be. Don't let circumstances destroy your future. You can make it if you try. Yes, you you said it so so well for me. Oh, thank you. Two hundred and forty million dollar professor. That also is a fascinating story. How did you get the idea that you could, as a uh, a specialist in computer science and so on, how did you feel that you were qualified to start a company and uh, go after business in the marketplace? Well. My son plays a important role in this. He convinced me that uh, my trade, my field, could be applied to commerce as well. So he he taught me into a slapish com- a small company, and uh, we just go from there. It's it's an incredible story. Again, the title of the book is the two hundred and forty million dollar professor, and it also says it's volume one. Is there a volume two, three, or four coming in the near future? Yes, there is a volume two. Describe my uh, 
my age, 15 to 27 in Taiwan. Volume 3 is uh, describing my struggling years in the U.S. until I uh, established a small company. Number Volume 4 describes uh, the tragedy and uh, triumph. That is, I have uh, suffered lots of tragedies in my life. And uh, so as in my adult lives, I suffer a lot from illness to loss of relatives and so forth. Thank you for taking time to share your story. This is a, a an inspiring read. If you want to find about find out what it takes to be successful in business and in life, this book is filled with anecdotal material. It has photos in it. It talks about your personal life, but it also is one that will work and inspire anybody that needs to be encouraged. The title of the book, again, is The $240 Million Professor, Volume 1, Growing Up Through Two Wars. And my guest has been professor and uh, entrepreneur and author, Richard T. Chang. Thank you. Professor, I understand that there actually has been a change to the title, although it came out as the $240 million professor. You had some concerns that people might raise their eyebrows to that, so it's been changed. What is the current title of your book? The Professor and CEO, True Story. True Story. And if they look under the title, they'll find it, but if they also look under the author, Richard T. Chang, they'll also be able to locate it. Yes. Thank you, sir, for joining me. Where can my listeners get a copy of your book? I think they can get it now <clears throat> through uh, Amazon.com and uh, through Barnes and & Noble and uh, some other stores. Very good. They can request it by name. And for clarification, that title has been changed to A Professor and CEO, A True Story. Also, and by your name, Richard T. Chang, yes. C-H-E-N-G. Richard, do you have a website yet? Yes, my website is uh, simply www.richardtchang.com. Fabulous. Thank you for joining me today, and best of luck with your book. I think it's uh, excellent reading and should be a part of everyone's library. Thank you for joining me today, sir. Thank you so much. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.